Okay. So we'll get started. Bismillah, peace and blessings, everyone. I'm Aziza, and welcome to episode number two of Unraveling the Truth with Dr. Omar Zaid. So I want to thank all of you that listened to the first episode. Um, I wasn't expecting the response that I received. So as a result of that, I decided to try something different this time and go live. So we're going to start off today with a few questions, inshallah, that I received from listeners, and then we're going to dive into the topic that I had planned. I'm sorry about the mess up on the time and that this is kind of impromptu, but inshallah, tomorrow we'll do another session. So, assalamu alaikum, Dr. Omar. More like a masalam, sister. It's wonderful to be with you again. Alhamdulillah. And interesting as always. Yes, of course. And, uh, so, I wanted to start off with um, some questions that I received. Sure. And these first few are based on the first conversation we had, which was mm -hmm. about the LGBTQ problem, dilemma. Yes, yes. So the first question was, you touched on how some people are born truly believing they are a different sex. Do you think some people can be influenced or brainwashed into being homosexual? I've noticed some people, especially women, because they are gay or bisexual after living their entire life as heterosexual. How do you think that happens? Uh, there's an element of both. Um, may I please Allah to uh, clarify this issue as I speak for those who uh, uh, are interested uh, in these matters. My research, which has been extensive into the statistics of the phenomena, show that there's an element of these people who are born that way, and then there's an element of these people who are conditioned. And there's also, in this day and age, a mixture of both, okay? So, and what I mean by a mixture is that the conditioning has become global and it's become part of the culture now uh, since the Second World War uh, in particular. There is a push on the part of the deep state, the hidden hand of uh, Iblis who governs us, um, or at least governs those of us who do not obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, and they are pushing this agenda for a couple of different reasons. These authorities are the same authorities that uh, control the media, okay? Uh, for example, you know, there's just a handful of companies that control 80 to 90% of uh, all of the media worldwide now. So if you were, if there's a news event, okay, and you turn on any TV program and you switch from national to local broadcast, they will all be speaking the same words. This is proven fact now. So they are fed their narrative. Uh, these are not independent uh, reporters. 
And the government does not control this. The government is a mediator, okay? The, the, the officials, the bureaucrats in the government, they're just mediators. They're listening to people who sit behind the scenes, tell them what they must do, okay? And when they are not obedient, that's when they sit, that's when they sit, send in the black cats to give them an offer they cannot refuse. So it's just like a mafia. There's no doubt about that. Now, getting back to the phenomena. There was a time when you could safely say that this population was no more than uh, two to three, and in some places, maybe 5% of the population. But those statistics are changing now over the last 20 years in particular, um, so that in certain segments of the uh, world, in certain segments of the population, you will have a, a number that reaches close to 11, 12, uh, 13% of the population. For example, in Thailand, it is growing that high. Uh, if you go to the Midwest in the, in, the, in the States, the number is closer to somewhere between three to 5%. And I have to say, well, you know, give that a range because no one knows. Everybody lies about sex, okay? Everybody, okay? Uh, almost all the people in the world masturbate, but nobody admits it, you see. Uh, so, uh, this is proven now. Th these are medical scientific facts, okay? So, I'm not one of those people who, you know, uh, uh, avoids these issues because this is one of the areas which, no matter what the religion is, everyone lies about it. So, if they lie about it, how can you reach the truth? You see, Anywhere in your life that you're lying about an issue, you are avoiding Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if you're avoiding him uh, by holding on to some sort of a lie or pretense, you cannot be guided. It's real simple. Allah does not tolerate lies or liars, no matter what the circumstances. And this is one of the reasons, for example, I like to go back to Hadrat uh, um, uh, Aisha, because she was so straightforward about these issues. She did not lie, there was no pretense, and the Muslims, if you read some of the dialogues that they had with the uh, Prophet at the time about uh, their sexual activities, they were very open and honest about it. Very open. Nobody's open and honest about it now. Everybody's pretending like they're good Catholics. You see. And um, this is one of the things that's gone wrong with the Ummah, but I've gone off top topic here. Let me return to the statistics, okay? So you'll have this range of statistics that covers the, the entirety of the LGBT uh, uh, population, anywhere from 3 to 11, 12 percent. And for example, in Israel right now, it's approaching 30%. 30%? Of of, yes, bisexuality, okay? 30%, wow. okay? So, and these are not numbers that people widely know about. Now, there are different reasons for that. And I'd like to just break it down into a 
sort of generic category and don't hold this number as uh, sacrosanct, okay? Because it's, it's going to vary from place to place. But the majority of the LGBT population is born that way, their majority is. And one can safely estimate that to be somewhere between 60-70%, perhaps more. It depends on where you are. And the balance are children who have been abused and then been conditioned to accept this kind of activity. And there's an element of the women. Uh, I don't know what this number is. I don't think anybody really knows. Uh, you can study the papers. Uh, they're there. People try to measure it. Uh, but there's an element of women who turn to other women and this is, you know, in the scripture and in the Hadith, it's, uh, it's very clear that this will happen. And they do this because the men are just terrible lovers, okay? Or they do it because the men uh, abandon them or do not uh, pay them sufficient attention. They do it for, uh, most, most likely they do it not just for the sexual passion, that the body needs, but for affection, because they're not getting affection in their marriages. Uh, so um, uh, these women turn to other women and they, they have a certain degree of satisfaction. At least they can reach orgasm and at least they can um, have a companion in with whom they can share some degree of affection. And there's always this element of the one role is uh, the male and the other one is the female, as we've said before, but that's not always the case, okay? Some women just seem to, uh, to, to like it. And that's the result of uh, conditioning that says, hey, it's okay, okay? So now you'll have all these movies that are promoting this and you'll see these female partners, they're not necessarily uh, they're more feminine than they are male or female. You see the occasional dyke, uh, for example, with this, um, this dance partners uh, who became famous recently in, in England. One of them is overtly masculine, the other one's very feminine, and they do this wonderful dance, but nobody does the tango like a true man and a true woman. It just doesn't happen. And uh, nobody likes to see a woman holding hands with a woman or a man holding hands with a woman walking off into the sunset. Nobody accepts that, okay? They pretend to accept it. And uh, people who are in fact gay or uh, 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 lesbian will accept that because they don't have any choice, you see. But deep in their heart, they would like it to be otherwise. They really want to be normal, okay? And there are many studies out there that determine that this is in fact the case. So again, we're going back to this number. Let's just stick at 70-30 here, okay? So 30% of the population is conditioned, okay, to, to, to go in that direction. The other 70% are truly born that way because the brain has been 
uh, anomalously uh, sexualized so that you have a female brain in a male body and vice versa. And this depends upon the androgen bath in the cerebrospinal fluid during the first three months of gestation. By 12 weeks, it's already determined and it cannot be changed, okay? After that, it's just a matter of growth. There's additional uh, androgens that are added to the male later on in the pregnancy and then again at puberty, okay? Now, we have toxins in the environment uh, in addition to medications in the environment uh, that are affecting the hormonal balance of the mother, of the developing fetus, and of people taking these medicines as they grow, okay, and as they mature. And so nothing uh, is normal in the case of uh, these people uh, who are expressing alternative uh, sexual orientations. There is no alternative sexual orientation. You're either uh, male in your orientation or female in your orientation. There is, a, there is a mixture of both, but if there's a mixture of both, it's generally going to lean more towards one or the other, no matter what your bodily or somatic sex is, your genetic sex, uh, gender. So I hope that helps to, to clarify it. I, I mean, you know, this, the conditioning element uh, of this 30% uh, factor, those who are not really fixed in their mind uh, as far as uh, having a male or a female brain is concerned, you can have a male brain and condition them to think uh, in feminine ways, okay? This, this happens and uh, then, but then we're, we're entering into an element of uh, gin infestation, especially in uh, the children who've been sodomized because uh, that is one of the, the best ways in which to get them infested and uh, with the gin. And in illegitimate uh, relationships, uh, this happens and almost all of those uh, situations are illegitimate. There's the result of fornication or uh, illicit sex. And there are people now in the world that say, well, there's no such thing as illicit sex. Well, you can say that if you leave God out of the picture. If, if you leave the spiritual dimension out of the picture, and you just talk in terms of the soulish and the, the, the physical elements, yeah, there's no such thing as illicit sex. It doesn't exist there. But if you want to be pure in your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the divine order, which is God, Adam, his wife, the angels, the jinn, <laughs> and then the animal kingdom, that's the divine order. If you want to keep that order, because it's an order that determines guidance and governance, then you must be illicit and marriage must be there. It doesn't mean that you have to have an imam 
you know, give you the official sign of the cross or bismillah, what it means is that you make a public announcement to everybody. This is my wife. And she acknowledges this is my husband before they hit the sack. Okay. Before they actually do the deed. You know, all of this other stuff is just traditional uh, niceties. It's, it's something to make the community feel good about the union. And it's something to honor everybody, but it's not necessary. It's not really necessary. Um, for example, uh, I'll give you a, a story out of the Old Testament. Um, uh, I've forgotten the name. I think the, the prophet's name was Boaz. He's one of the ancestors of, uh, of uh, Esau. And he, uh, he was an elder man, someone like myself. And uh, there was a widow and her daughter, who's the, the husband had died, and they were poverty stricken. And this man was wealthy. He had uh, other wives, another wife, maybe more than one wife. And uh, he went out into his field and he saw that they were reaping uh, what was left over after his men had gone through the field. And what they were doing, this mother and daughter was doing, they were taking uh, the, the leftovers to make bread, okay? So he told his men, uh, he took a fancy to the daughter and he told his men to leave them an extra portion and pretend that they had just missed certain sections. And so the mother and the, and the daughter, they received this uh, uh, extra reaping, this extra wheat and, um, uh, were fed better and um, during the harvest this old man Boaz went to sleep in the barn one of the barns and at night the young uh, woman the daughter came and laid at his feet okay and she took his uh, feet this was the Jewish custom she took his feet and pressed them to her naked belly and she called him my lord which means my husband which tells him that she was prepared to accept him as her husband she was prepared to marry him okay so the next day then she left that was that was all there was to it uh, there was no sexual activity so then the next day he announced to the village if there's no objection and nobody has any claim on this woman I'm taking her now as my wife. That's all there was to it. And no one objected, you see. So uh, the, the, the implication that you have to have a priest or an imam in order to do these things, this is a negation of the man's authority, you see. It's an intermediary that's not necessary. It's nice, it's traditional, all of that sort of thing. But what I'm getting at here is the authority issue, you see. There's Allah, there's the husband, there's the wife, there's the children, there's the angels, there's the jinn, and there's the animal kingdom, and then there's the mud that we're made out of, you see. That's the divine order. We don't need an intermediary. We don't need Satan so-and-so. 
we don't need uh, Imam so-and-so to come to the house and sanctify everything. It's not necessary. The man himself should do it. And because the men have abdicated this authority and it's become traditional to remove this authority from the man and require intermediaries between every man and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, then, you know, what happens to that man's autonomy? It becomes dependent upon these other men who have usurped that position. You understand what I'm saying? So because that position has been usurped, there's an element of the gender's uh, efficacy that's missing in the men. Yeah, it's not there. And this has to do with authority. It has to do with pure male authority. Okay, I'm not talking about the chauvinist. I'm talking about the man who stands up and says things the way it is, who describes things and relationships uh, the way they are. This is adab. That adab is missing. It's been toyed with. And because that adab is missing, because it's been toyed with, uh, because intermediaries are now uh, required, we're, we, we've gotten into the same position where uh, this is an injustice, you see. And because the, there's an injustice here, then people of all persuasions can invade the house of God. And they can bring all these vain imaginations in and put them into action. And that's what's happened to uh, Islam. That's what's happened to all of the religious persuasions from day one that have been uh, started from any of the prophets, all, all 124,000 of them. So um, I hope that uh, helps you to understand at least a spiritual principle here. It's, it's, uh, I, I'm describing something that is uh, very hard to to hold on to, you see. It's not easy to grasp this idea for most people. Most people are dependent upon the Imams. Well, we don't have a religious institution, you see, uh, that, uh, that, um, that allows this. It's, it's been something that has developed after the, the day of the prophet. It didn't, it didn't exist. You see, when uh, the, 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 you, you remember the one man who came to the prophet and said, well, I want to marry. And the prophet said, well, what do you have? And uh, he wasn't asking the prophet's permission. He was asking his, his advice. And uh, the, the man said, well, I don't have anything. Uh, he says, well, how much of the Quran do you have? He said, I have al-Fatiha. That's enough. Go marry. <laughs> this is simple. Simple and straightforward, you see. And uh, there are other examples uh, of, you know, a simple dowry being exchanged. So, you know, what, uh, what Boaz did was just in a pronouncement here. He didn't go to the high priest. There was no shaman for him to turn to, okay? There was no imam at the temple. There was no temple. There was him in the community and his farm and a group of men 
uh, who may, and there amongst those men, there may have been someone with a prior claim on this woman, according to the Jewish law. And so he stood up in the community center and he said, if no one claims this woman, I'm claiming her and I'm taking her home and I'm taking her to bed as my wife. Any objections? Okay. Nobody objected. There was no big wedding ceremony. There was no big party. None of that. All of that is unnecessary. It's nice, but it's unnecessary. Now, I'm not saying that you just, you know, walk off and avoid your local traditions and all that sort of thing. No, no, because you have to what Boaz did was, as the man of the day, uh, he honored all of the people in the community by making this announcement, you see. Uh, and uh, uh, now that, that was their tradition, you see. So he honored the dignity of all the people. He honored the dignity of this woman who had already given him permission to do it, you see. She, she, she said, yes. It, when she put his feet on her bare stomach, you see, uh, that was her, her telling him, yes, I'm willing to lay down in bed with you and let you have your way with me. Matter of fact, I might even like it, you see. So it depends on how she held his feet, you see. You know what I mean. Now... So nobody wants to talk about these things in that fashion, you see, but I'm a practitioner of adab, so I want to call it what it is. And when you do that, then you have the avenue for divine grace to come from above to below in divine order. And this depends upon manhood. It does not depend upon womanhood. Now, let me modify that last statement just a bit. It depends on woman submitting to the man who has the authority. Okay. That's what it depends on because that's the unity. That's the complementarity. Now I've said all of that just to uh, reestablish the archetype that we began to discuss uh, last week. Okay. Adam, Eve, the complementarity, um, this must be there. And when that authority is not there in submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, justice cannot proceed to be established. It just cannot. So when justice is not established, then all of these uh, devils, can come in with all of their strange ideas and all of their strange practices and uh, just have a field day with everybody who lets them in, you see. So, uh, you, you know, the, the, the typical, uh, the typical um, uh, what do you call them, uh, vampire uh, uh, presentation and typical vampire movie, they have to have uh, permission, you see. You have to let them in. They knock on the door, and if you don't throw salt on the floor and say no, they come in, and you're, you, you lose your autonomy. It's gone, okay? They possess you. 
So it's like that with the jinn, and it's like that with the human shaitan as well. Because once you've let them in, once you uh, let down the walls of justice, once you lose the true male authority, and then the true woman submitting to this authority, then all of these creatures come in. And that's what's happened to the world, you see. That's what's happened to the world, especially since the, in the days of the uh, Illuminati, the so-called uh, Illumination of Europe. Um, this, uh, uh, this whole movement has now destroyed all of the higher cultures. That's what they've done. Because the, the higher cultures, those that you, you hear the stories of the, the chivalrous knight, you see, and the lady in waiting, waiting for her knight to come. And what is her knight doing? He's establishing justice in the world. He is uh, protecting the people from plunder. He's Robin Hood, you see. He's uh, robbing the, the rich to give to the poor, and this sort of thing. And Maid Marian is always there, oh, praying for her men, you see. That doesn't happen anymore. It's only in the movies. There was a time when it was real. And all of these stories have a basis in reality. You think about a man like Salahuddin. Hmm. Salahuddin, uh, there was a man. You know, Napoleon would look at him like he looked at uh, Goethe and, said, and say, there be a man, okay? This is a man who cannot be moved. He cannot be intimidated, okay? Even if you uh, threaten his life uh, and you take it like um, uh, Omar Mukhtar, you see, Omar Mukhtar held out for more than 20 years against impossible odds. And finally, when they were about to push him off of the stool to hang him, he stepped off himself. Yeah. You see, you cannot defeat such a man. Well, those kind and, of men will be terrorists now, so. Yes, yes, you see. So uh, this is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about divine order. And what am I, why am I emphasizing this? Because that's the archetype, that's the ideal. And that is what the LGBT people are destroying. And that's what's been destroyed in them. Some of them purposely and some of them uh, by accident, okay? Uh, some of them by conditioning. And none of them understand this, almost none. And I, I dare say that as you sit there, even you didn't understand this until I uh, defined the adab for you, you see? so. Very few of our imams are practicing this kind of adab. adab. If they were, none of the Muslims be, would be walking around the earth now with a mask on, you see. <laughs> and there would be no fatwas that would approve the coming vaccine. It wouldn't exist mm. because men would be standing up and saying, no, you have to kill us first. Hmm. You see? So... Their manhood is, is gone. And when manhood is gone, then all of this gender confusion 
creeps in to the house of Islam, to the house of divine order, no matter what your faith is, you see. Um, so I hope that uh, helps to answer that particular question, okay? Yes, in, in a Tawheed sense. It did, thank you. So the next question, what advice would you give Islamically and from your own perspective to someone who wants to protect themselves from all of these evil forces? Like you said, they're everywhere. So how can we do our best to avoid them, especially in America? Are Americans even practicing Muslim Americans doomed unless they leave? Um, this, is a, um, this is a real quandary. And um, uh, there is no... Uh, place of there's no Islamic country left in the world now they don't exist in name they exist but uh, anywhere that you go if they're under this uh, Jewish run banking system uh, forget it it's not Islamic I don't care how many prayers you make you've already surrendered and you submitted to the hand of Iblis rather than the hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you've abandoned the way of the prophet so stop pretending, okay? All you who hear me as I'm speaking now, just stop the pretense, okay? Now, um, how do you protect yourself? Well, we do that through prayer and through true iman. There's no other way in uh, the present day. So... I always make a prayer at the end of my door, uh, asking Allah to, for this protection, okay? Uh, not just for myself, but for my women, for my children, uh, for my grandchildren, for all those who lend a hand to what it is that I'm trying to do, and for all of those who are seeking the face of Allah, Okay, now don't, I'm not getting, um, uh, you know, uh, 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 crazy here when I say that. When I'm saying it's, a, it's an analogy, it's a, it's a picture. When you're seeking the face of Allah, you're seeking Allah's will, you're seeking Allah's guidance. It's just, he's talking to you and saying, okay, you know, my, my, my servant, this is what I want you to do. So I expect that Allah will hear me because that's what the Quran says. The Quran says, when I approach him, he runs to me. You're looking and talking to a man who believes that, okay? It's not an abstract idea for me. I believe it and I have experienced it. I have experienced miracles in my life and this is not an overstatement. <laughs> It's reality for me. So in answer to this question, the only protection we have in this day and age is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in any day and age is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But especially now, because there is no ummah with men who are standing up saying no. Okay. Everyone is kowtowing for their welfare check or their, their government pension or whatever it is that uh, they get, you know, their paycheck, they put the uniform on and they're policemen 
or they're in the army and they're servicing the people, the, uh, the, the government, behind the government, who are oppressing the people. And then they get their paycheck and they go home. They put this food on the table and they think that they're, and they're pretending that they're serving God. No, this is not the case. You see? So, the individual who wants Allah's protection has to ask for it and then also has to be prepared to die. You see? Because there is no other way. Why am I saying that? Well, because Allah depends upon men to do the right thing. He's not, Allah is not in the business of going around sending angels everywhere to save you. Okay. <laughs> that doesn't happen all the time. It happens on occasion. It happens when Allah wills, not when we will. Okay. The normal divine order is what I've just said. If you don't have the men that are going to stand up and say no, then there is no protection, you see. It's not there. Because your leaders are doing exactly what the prophet said they're doing. They're jumping into the lizard's hole, following the Jews and the Christians, the forbidden alliance, as Imran Hussein uh, 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 described, you know, those Jews and Christians uh, who make an alliance with themselves. You see, I'm not we're not describing the individual Jew or the individual Christian in your community, but there's an organization of these Jews and Christians, primarily through the Freemasonic bureaucracy that I described for you last week. Uh, these are the ones that our leaders are following right into the lizard hole. Whenever the hand of Iblis these hidden families behind the high walls, the ones that the security services called the Olympians, whenever they decide they want to do something, they tell a Freemason, the highest Freemason available, go do this, go do that, go do the next thing. And all of this happens through this Freemasonic uh, system. And this system is not necessarily always Freemasonic because there are different types of organization which are modeled on the Freemasonic principle, okay? And this principle is highly organized throughout the whole world now. It was never organized like that before, but it's now documented and historians have accepted it that the British Commonwealth through the Freemasonic organization took control of the entire world about a hundred years ago, okay? Without the Freemasons, it would not have done, and it, would not, it could not happen. And all of this happened uh, uh, stage by stage by stage through the colonial application of the Freemasonic uh, uh, bureaucracy. The British East India Company, for example, uh, the French East India Company, they, and the Dutch East India Company, they were all Freemasonic organizations under B'nai B'rith or high uh, Jewish control. Freemasonry is pure Jewishry, okay? 
It, it's founded on Jewish principles. It's admitted by the Jews. You can, you, it, it's, it's even, a, you, you can go to the Jewish encyclopedia and find it. It's all there. This is not a secret. It's just something that people don't discuss. And so our leaders are following these people who are, they're forbidden to follow. The, no, the prophet didn't just say it. The Quran says it. It says, don't make an alliance with them. What's happened in the Middle East? Everyone's aligning with them. Yeah. So how can you expect protection? And if you're living in a country where uh, they are the predominating controlling governance, what, and you're paying taxes to it, I mean, how, how are you going to be protected by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? You're, you're asking, you're asking for Allah to break his own law, you see. So there is no um, safety net here, except uh, that which uh, happens on the day of death, when you meet the death angel and your deeds are balanced in the day of judgment, you see, because this place is a test, it's a trial. As I said the other day, it is, in fact, a prison planet. As much as I dislike Alex Jones, he's correct about that, uh, that, uh, that, that phrase. It is a prison planet. And so we're here uh, to hopefully exit the pr prison with um, uh, a, a, a writ of uh, forgiveness, you see, that's going to take us into the next life with God's grace. We don't want to lose God's grace. So whatever grace you've got right now, you better hold on to it. And you're holding on to it by God's mercy, not by the hand of Iblis. And not certainly not by the, by the virtue of your Imams, okay? They've all kowtowed to the enemy of your soul. And everything that they're doing now is pretentiousness, for the most part. They're pretending that they haven't done this, you see. I mean, what, what has happened here? The, the Muslims, because men have not stood up and said no to evil, because they have not enjoined what is good, and they have not forbidden the evil, they're running away from their own countries into the country which has murdered them en masse. <laughs> how, how much sense does that make, sister? Is, is, does that, oh, and then, then you, your imams are getting up there and they're standing in the kutbah and they're saying, oh, dear ladies, make more babies. We're going to gain victor, victory by overwhelming them with our children. Yeah, you're going to grow a whole bunch of ignoramuses, okay? And they're going to overrun the land. And they won't have any idea how to govern it. <laughs> you, you look at all these young men now. They're, 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 they're mad. They have no idea what reality is. They have no idea how to love a woman. None. They have no idea how to raise children. None. They have no idea about their history. They have no idea, no connection to science, to the dunya, so that they can master it, yeah? 
and they're going to win? <laughs> but what are they going to do with what they win? They're going to ruin it, okay? Even if they overwhelm the enemy with numbers, they're still going to ruin the environment. They're going to ruin society because they're a bunch of stupid know-nothings. <laughs> and they're probably going to destroy knowledge along the way. You see, they'll, they'll be like these uh, barbarians who killed uh, uh, the, the, the philosophers and the teachers because they weren't Christians, because they didn't make the sign of the cross. But they just met, they mass murdered the most, uh, uh, the most uh, 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 educated people in the, in the environment back when Christians uh, took over the Roman Empire. That's what they did. You see, it's one of the reasons they did it because they killed all the people who knew the who knew that they were stupid. They killed the people who knew that they and the, the Jews are going back there and they're clasping their hands and they're saying they're rubbing their hands and say, "See, it worked. It worked." Yeah, we told them the lie. They ate the lie, and look what they done. They rose up and took everything for us, and now we can plunder them. Well. That's what they're doing in the Middle East, you see? That's what they're doing all over the world. And you want refuge from this? Where? Where, dear sister? Where, dear questioner? Now, but Dr. Omar, you're sitting there so confident and you're answering this question with such confidence. Where does this confidence come from? Well, it comes from my faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because I'm calling it what it is, you see? And so I have my own safety bubble wherever it is that I go in the earth, you see? And if Allah decides to burst that bubble, that's his decision, not mine. But as long as I'm in it, I'm going to speak according to Adab and I'm going to call things what they are, and I'm not going to pretend they aren't, okay, otherwise. So I'm not going to pretend that there is any place safe to run to. I, I'm getting these, um, uh, these questions uh, in the email now, especially since I've um, uh, spoken with you, uh, and, I, and I just spoke with um, uh, Sheikh Belak again touching on these same matters uh, yesterday. And people are asking me, well, where's the mountain? <laughs> <laughs> you see, uh, well, this shows you a degree of ignorance here because uh, mountains are everywhere. And, um, uh, but the fact of this is there, there's, 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 two, there's two realities here with the, the image of the mountain. One, one is the real reality. It's, it, you know, you've got to be pretty sturdy if you're going to live in the mountain, you see. You, 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 you can't be an ordinary human being. You've got to be extraordinary if you're going to be a hillbilly. <laughs> the fact of it is that these are the toughest people in the world. They always have been, no matter where they are in the world. They're tough people. So if you're going to go to the mountain, uh, you had better have um, 
a relationship with these tough people. In other words, you better be invited. You just can't show up. <laughs> so to be invited, you have to have Allah's grace. In other words, there has to, the invitation comes not from the mountain people, it comes from their having a change of heart or a turn of the heart in your favor. You see? So if you have no relationship with these people, don't go. Unless Allah has really made it clear, you know, sometimes Allah gives us a dream or a vision and he shows you, for example, a, a tree or, you know, whatever, or a bird or uh, a bear and you follow the bear in the dream and it takes you someplace and that place is a safe haven and then you're happen to be driving down this road and you see that tree or you see that bear and then you see this house and this is almost exactly like it is in your dream you see that's a sign that's a one one of the um uh, the, uh, the, 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 the 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 it's a remnant of the prophethood that's left for those who have pure intention those with a pure heart okay those who are not pretending mm -hmm. you see that's where it happens. That's who it happens to. Doesn't mean you, you aren't a sinner. You see, I'm talking about pure intention. We're all sinners. If you're pretending not to sin, <laughs> it's not going to happen to you. Okay. Allah doesn't like liars. As I said at the beginning, you see. So if you have such an invitation... Uh, then, then by all means go. And you have to go with faith. You have to, you have to take this uh, uh, on faith that Allah will then make a provision for you. So you take the best that you have along with you. And what did the prophet say? Isa said the same thing. Take your sheep, okay, and Isa also said it at, at, at one point to his disciple. He said, go buy a sword. Okay. He said, get one. You're going to need it. Okay. So that means you have to be prepared. And I'm getting questions from people who are in helpless situations. What can I do? What can I do? Well, they're, they're, they're living in fear. And they're living in fear because they're totally unprepared. There's nothing I can do for them, you see. There's nothing you can do for them either, okay? Because they're, they're not within your reach. They're not under your right hand. You have no relationship with them. So there is no answer that's going, they're going to find pleasing, you see. You either have the grace of Allah and you're prepared to receive it and act on it, or you're not. And... The sad thing is that in this day and age, most Muslims are not receiving the grace of Allah. They're not prepared to, to receive it. They're, not, they're just not prepared. They're going to be caught totally unawares. And then they're going to be just like the women you saw in the pictures after the bombing of Baghdad. They're pulling their hair out, screaming to the heavens, where is the God of Muhammad? Well... The God of Muhammad left Iraq when they submitted to the West. You see? 
when they submitted to the Freemasonic system, when they elevated someone like Saddam Hussein into power, and they accepted this, this fascist mentality, which has nothing to do with Islam. That's a curse. The men did not stand up for righteousness. They invited the evil. They served evil. And what happened to the women? When the curse fell on the men, it fell on them and their children. It's just like the woman who gets into the car with her children and lets her drunk husband drive home. Okay? Because it's an intoxication. Evil is intoxicating. Power is intoxicating. And the Ummah has abandoned the grace of Allah. So if you want to walk the earth in safety now, you have to accept the grace of Allah. You have to live within those limitations. And you have to be prepared to take each step each day, each moment, and go where that water of grace allows you to flow. People are not doing that. They're just not doing it, okay? They're, they're, uh, they're, they're depending too much upon the intermediaries, you see? So I, I think I brought that full circle now, you see? Um, and I like to try and do that when I'm teaching like this, so that uh, those who tune in, who have the ear to listen, can get the complete picture. So it's, it's, uh, I try to talk in what Muslims like to call Tawheed, but nobody does it, you see. <laughs> you want to talk, uh, talk Tawheed, you have to, you want to be a Tawheed uh, leader. Well, you, you have to have a, a college of, uh, uh, of leaders who are conversant in all of the sciences, not just the Islamic sciences, you see. If you're just talking Islamic sciences, you, you know, you, 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 it's not enough. It's, it's insufficient. It's incomplete. You have no knowledge of the earth. You don't even know what's under the feet. You're un, under your feet, you see. You don't know what's in the earth. You don't know what's in the sky. You don't know why your own people are getting sick. And you're, uh, you know, because of all the pollutants in the world, you're allowing it. <laughs> and then you're, you're going to, 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 to the mosque uh, to pray and ask for Allah's favor while you're allowing the evil to make your people sick. My God, that's just stupid. So stupidity is reigning. And, uh, you know, if you want safety from that, get away from stupid people. Okay, just get away from them. All right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's sadly, it's, it's, it's amusing, it's funny, but it's also sad, dear sister. So anyway, we've come full circle. You have another question? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> okay. So um, this is in regards to entertainment and media propaganda. So when uh. people watch uh, these different types of television shows, listen to music uh, and engage in entertainment, these types of things. Are they also part of the rituals? 
Like when you yes. have the Super Bowl, for example, it's a massive ritual or the yes, Grammy Awards. Yes, yes, okay. yes. All of these things are distractions and they're part of the, uh, the system that uh, mesmerizes uh, the crowd. It's part of crowd control. In the old days, they had these great, you know, great big statues everywhere, all these idols and these great big temples. And Rome had the circus, it's uh, big circus games. And, you know, people went there by the thousands to be entertained by a bloodshed. Uh, they even had monkeys having sex with the uh, women in the Roman circus, okay? This sort of uh, animalistic behavior. I'm not joking, sister. So uh, this is what the circus is. It's, it's what a, one of its origins. This is an old ancient trick. Okay? Bread and circuses. And uh, <laughs> the, the circus and all these mass entertainments. Uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily agree with uh, uh, everything that's in the New Testament, especially with St. Paul. But St. Paul said a few things which are um, uh, uh, interesting here and uh, right to the point. Uh, he said, when I was a child, I did the things of a child. But when I became a man, I stopped playing those games. Mm -hmm. You see? Now... <clears throat> As a child, I played baseball, I played football. I wasn't very good at basketball, but I, you know, when the boys wanted to, I, you know, tried to keep up with them. And uh, I, I went to the billiard room and all of those things when I was a child. But when I became a man, I stopped all those games. I have never gone to, after I left high school, I've never gone to a football game or a baseball game or a basketball game, I just stopped. Never, I never played them again. Uh, never entertained them, nothing of that nature. And so men who are making a living playing games are, um, well, playing games, okay? And they're making money for the Jews who owned the clubs, aren't they? They are. Okay, you look at all of these big clubs, they're all owned by Jews. <laughs> Why is that? Well, we don't need to go there. Okay. <laughs> now, maybe another, another time when we talk about the mysteries, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, inshallah. Inshallah. But in answer to this question, all of these things are programming. They're a way uh, for Mr. Spock to make the mind meld, you see. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's, it's Star Trekian in, in real, it's, 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 it's great, uh, large ritual en masse. You see, you have the same thing happening every time there's a game, there's the national anthem, the flag is raised, da, 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 da. So who are the people serving? Are they serving God Almighty? No, they're serving the flag, they're saluting the flag. This flag is a rag. Okay, but all that's attended to it, all that's attached to it is in the mind of the people. And that is called patriotism. And it's a false sense of security. It's a false sense of dignity. It's a false sense of pride. Okay, because all of that, the, you know, you've got 50,000, 100,000 people gathered in the stadium. They don't have any relationship with each other, do they? No. No, none whatsoever. The, uh, if you study the scriptural principles, uh, 
the kingdom of Allah is manifest according to nations. And nations are manifest according to families and patriarchs. So we're all co always coming back to the man, you see? Not the woman, the man. We come back, we discuss the woman who supports the man as his helpmate, as his protector, as I've said, okay, in the last uh, session. Uh, she is to protect him from himself. Okay, very important job. And no one else can do it. You see, only the woman can do it. Only his wife can do it. Okay, so this is the divine order. It's families and groups of families which form the communities, which form the nations. Okay, it's not an international, uh, interracial, intergroup like this. This is just a mishmash. This is all chaos. Each one has a different heritage. You can't put these things together artificially and expect them to work. Hmm. <laughs> now, if they work, they work according to principles which are not divine. They, they may use divine principles, but they perverted them, you see. And they form these uh, uh, Freemasonry is a perversion of the divine principle because each lot ha has its grand master. So he becomes the patriarch, but he has no familial relationship with any of the men in the lodge. They're all strangers. They have no blood ties for the most part, okay? And uh, what the grandmaster knows, the other men in the lodge do not know. They don't know who he's serving in reality above the 28th degree. You get to the 28th degree and they take a, an oath to serve Lucifer, you see. And the men in the lower lodges, they're this, they stay at the first three degrees. They never, most of them never get beyond the third degree, the master mason. They stay at that level all their lives. But those who go on up to the master mason, they get into these mysteries. And they're the ones who are acting as the false patriarch. You understand? Mm -hmm. So you have a nation of false patriarchs <laughs> who, who are guiding these uh, brotherhoods and sororities and fraternities because they're all part of the same system. You go to the university campuses, you have all these fraternities and sororities. They're all part of the same ancient Greek mystery system. And they have false patriarchs and false matriarchs set up as authorities. So this is a perversion of the true divine order, the prophetic order that we've inherited from Adam, okay? And it's been handed down from patriarch to prophet, to prophet, to prophet all over the world. As I said, 124,000 of them, not just the one we call Muhammad. He was the last one. He's the capstone. But there's a whole bunch of other people out there who have a picture of the truth. So what you have now is all of these societies that uh, are fragmented and perverted and they're pretending to be whole. And this false media, this, uh, these big games, the Rose Bowl, the Army Navy game, especially the Army Navy game, the Jesuits are there. We'll talk about them <laughs> another time, you see. Um, and um, uh, television 
and all these uh, entertainments, all of them are keeping people uh, mesmerized. It's a form of uh, magic. It's a form of hypnotism, okay? And what happens, I wrote a paper on this at, at the request of Imran Hussein, who asked me to explain the phenomena. And I said, what, who, me? He said, yeah, you, you can do it. I said, okay, Allah, <laughs> I need your help. Anyway, I looked into it and I, I wrote the paper and all of this is conditioning the mind to think in a certain way so that you have uh, automatic responses to certain conditions and to certain triggers. The mind no longer thinks, it just reacts in a certain way. Oh my God, we're threatened by the enemy. Who's the enemy? Let me go kill him. <laughs> you know, and there's no, <laughs> nobody's questioning. Nobody's investigating. Right. Islam and says, well, if somebody brings you news, you need to investigate it. You see, you need to establish the truth. You need to what? Practice adab. Right? You got to call it what it is. You can't call it something that somebody else says you should call it. Just because they say you should call it. Okay. But what's happened with all, the, all of this entertainment and everything is it, it conditions people to uh, respond automatically without thinking. Okay, So it's Pavlovian. It's Pavlovian conditioning on a mass scale. And uh, uh, I think it's been almost 30 years I threw my television away, you see. It's one of the reasons I can think the way that I do. I don't watch TV. I haven't for 30 years. It's a great freedom, you see. And yes. um, uh, uh, I'm, I'm a great fan of uh, theater and uh, good movies. Uh, I like to watch movies. I do that. But I'm very selective as to what I watch. And I prefer uh, movies that have something to do with history or movies that have something to do with uh, real pathology. Okay, you know, serial killers and all that sort of thing, because I like to explore the human mind. And many of these things are actually well documented and well researched. The people who produce some of these uh, films have really done a good job. They're, they're true artists, you see. An, art, an artist has a task to uh, represent adab, to represent the truth, to call a thing what it is whether it's good or evil, you see, mm. it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean you, uh, you avoid the evil. You want to see the evil, you see, because you want to identify it for what it is and why it is, okay? Well, the television doesn't do that. Television is there mostly for advertisement and for mental conditioning. That's what it's there for. And most of these movies that's put out by Hollywood are the same. Hollywood's putting out a tremendous amount of trash these last 20 years. Uh, your better movies are actually being produced in uh, 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 Japan and Korea. Europe uh, and Korea. Korea does a wonderful job yeah. uh, in when they, they do the examination of the human character mm -hmm. in their films. The Japanese also do a different, uh, a wonderful job. So... I love those films, and I'm a great I'm a great samurai fan. 
You see, <laughs> so I, I, I don't avoid those things and I'm a great lover of music. The fact that uh, the Imams have um, uh, removed music from the lives of Muslims is another very, very wicked uh, thing uh, that they did uh, in standing between Allah and his people. Um, they are preventing uh, the people from entering into a wonderful, uh, joyous experience. Okay, because music is a language, it's another language. It is based on pure mathematics. Uh, it is based on acoustical science uh, that uh, is just a wonderful thing to examine once you get into it because it's actually kun faya kun. Music is kun faya kun. That's what it is. It's vibrations. And when you speak and when you sing these things, they have an effect. So instead of uh, identifying just uh, and avoiding what is wicked, they've, they're avoiding all of it, <laughs> which is, is stupid. So we're being led by stupid people, okay? And I'm not afraid to call them stupid because that's what they are. That's adab, okay? And um, uh, this is what the word is there for. It's there for a reason. Okay, um, so if you are avoiding the arts, but embracing the, the games, <laughs> then, you know, you're, you're really not helping the cause of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at all. Not at all. You see, it's not, it's not happening. Uh, and you're, 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 you're continuing to uh, enter into this mesmerized mindset. And when they said, run away, run away, run away, be scared. The sky is falling. You're going to believe them. You'll see. And that's what's happened with this whole COVID thing. The entire Ummah, almost, with the exception of a few, has um, succumbed in that way and in that fashion because they have been pre-programmed to do so and they think they're serving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala no they're not no they're not they are serving stupidity and they're serving ignorance and these two combined can only serve evil and bring harm and that's not what our task as Muslims is our task is to prevent harm to prevent evil and to enjoin what is good so if you're stupid and ignorant, you can't do that. Mm. It can't be done. Yeah. And I don't care. I don't care how much of the Quran you have memorized. If you're stupid and ignorant, you can't enjoin what is good and prevent what is evil. You're not in a position, a qualified position to do it. Okay. So that's my answer to that question. Throw your television out. Throw it away. I know many of you have invested in this big screen. <laughs> yeah. Throw it out. Or if you're going to use it, do not block all of the, um, uh, the, the news programs, the, 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 the media. Block them all and use it only for educational purposes. Be disciplined. 
that's what I am with my computers at home and with my grandson, you see, use it for educational purposes and none of these things. If I look into the mass media, the only reason I, I look daily and I, with, my, with my coffee in the morning, I look at uh, uh, some of the mainstream news just to see what lies they're putting out there. Right. You see? So I can be informed. You see? So that when people ask me what's taking place, they say, oh, what do you think about Biden? And uh, Balak asked me, Sheikh Balak just asked me about Biden. And I said, well, they're going to dump him in a few months and put that woman in charge. And she's probably going to be one of the worst rulers ever to come across the, um, uh, the presidency, the sitting at Oval Office, because uh, women rulers are just bad. Are you there, sister? Yeah, I'm lost. here. No, I'm here. Okay. I'm okay. listening. Uh, so, because uh, women rulers are, 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 I've forgotten what her name is, but uh, um, they're going to put her into the office. So they'll make her president because she's already demented. This man's demented. <laughs> and uh, uh, they, they have him on some sort of drug that sort of keeps him going. Uh, and uh, they may even, oh, God knows what, they, they'd probably put some chips and mental implants in him already. To, to, so he's, he's, a, he's a mess, that fellow. Uh, in any case, they will disqualify him psychologically probably within the first year and elevate the vice president to presidency. And then all of these uh, uh, wannabe Bolsheviks are going to rise up. And they're going to, you know, all these left-wingers and, you know, all the people of colors are, they're all going to think they've been saved. Mm. She's just another, she's just going to be another false messiah, right. another trick, another trick that they're using. And, what, why, what are they doing? All this entertainment is being done so that step by step, inch by inch, as the three stooges used to say, they are taking what is yours away from you. Mm. They are plundering you of your resources, plundering you of your um, freedoms, step by step, inch by inch. This is the tactic while you're watching the football game or while you're watching Oprah, okay, or Dr. Phil or whatever the case might be. All of these programs are there to keep your attention away from Adab. Let's not call it what it is, you see? We cannot call it what it is. And now people like me who do call it what it is are being censored oh, all yeah. over the world. We're being outlawed, we're being arrested. Uh, some of us are killed outright because we're in important positions, okay? So uh, if, you, if you speak these things under certain conditions, for example, if you're a hospital administrator, uh, uh, you know, and you speak the truth about what, you would lose your job immediately, immediately, mm -hmm. okay? So. Uh, oh, and that brings me to another matter about the COVID, if, you, if this comes to mind, because I'm working on a paper for uh, the people in Australia who are objecting to the fatwas given uh, by their imams, their stupid imams, who have uh, 
uh, given fatwas approving the COVID vaccine, you see. So I'm, I'm helping them draft a letter, a legal letter to uh, object to this and to uh, call for an investigation. What they're going to do with the health uh, workers all over the world is they're going to inject them with placebo. And they will pretend that, see, there's no side effects, everybody's okay. And then after they've done that, they will give the real thing to the people. You see, this is their game plan. So don't be fooled. All right. So we can move on to the next question, if you like, sister. You're teasing me with this uh, vaccine thing. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so what is the point of having all of this knowledge about, you know, how the world really works if at the end of the day, there's nothing we can do about it? Ah, uh, 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 understanding. Okay. Because with understanding, it, um, when you understand uh, something, uh, you're not susceptible to fear. Okay. And the, the thing about it is, you see, I, I write for uh, leaders. I, I don't necessarily write for people uh, at the pedestrian level. Uh, most of them do not have enough education to read and understand or comprehend uh, much of what's in my books. Uh, and if I were to do that, I would have to write encyclopedias, you see, in order to educate them to that level. So I write for uh, leaders. And the, it's a responsibility of the leaders to be informed, okay? And it's a responsibility of people like myself to inform them, okay? So that when I hit the grave, I don't want to be able to uh, say, well, I was just too lazy to write what you wanted me to write. Uh, you know, I, you know, I just wanted to eat sushi. That's no, <laughs> that's, that's no excuse, you know. Um, no, it's if you know something, then it's your responsibility to share that knowledge. And you share that knowledge uh, with people who are in positions of responsibility and authority so that they can protect their people. So it's a, it's a Muslim thing to do. It's one of the things I, I, I really uh, was um, very pleased to find out uh, when I became a Muslim, when I first became a Muslim after my conversion, to find out what well, this is a responsibility, education, gaining knowledge is a responsibility, you see. So if you have that attitude, then you might as well just remain among the ignorant, you see. And uh, then you can say to the death angel, well, I didn't want to be responsible, so I didn't go out and get the knowledge. I just prayed. And I was very good at praying. So please let me in. <laughs> no. I don't think that's going to go over very well in the grave, okay? Uh, for certain people, not for all, okay? Uh, there are degrees of responsibility. There are degrees of ability. Uh, 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 so uh, those of us who have more, um, greater capacities to learn, we then have a greater responsibility to learn more, you see? 
because, well, why? That's because that's what the enemy does. The enemy of the kingdom of God, the enemy of divine order, that's what they do. It's a priority for them. It's a priority for them to get as much knowledge as possible. That's what the, um, uh, that's what the, um, um, uh, the, op the, the panopticon state is about. That's, it's all Orwellian. They want to know everything. It's like a global Stasi, okay? It's like a global KGB. They want to know everything. They're collecting data on everybody. They're collecting all the knowledge in the world. They have experts here and experts here. There are pools of experts everywhere. Muslims don't have this. They just have pools of stupid fools who can pray good. All right? And I'm saying it that way because I want to insult them because they're stupid. They don't understand their enemy. And people who ask that kind of question, they're entertaining stupidity, you see? And they're, they're entertaining it because they don't understand. The Quran said, go and get knowledge. Hmm. Go and get it. Wherever you can find it, go and get it. It's your responsibility. I placed that responsibility on Adam. Yes. So it's a responsibility. And for, there, there's a passage in the Old Testament that says, for lack of knowledge, my people are destroyed. You've, know, you've heard that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's what's happened to the Ummah, isn't it? Come yeah. on, sister. Yeah. yeah. For want of knowledge, they are being destroyed. So... If you want to take that aspect, that, that's, a, that's a fate, that's fatalism. You see, it's one of the false doctrines that, uh, 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 that snuck into uh, the, the Islam, uh, probably after Al-Ghazali. Um, so that people say, well, you know, God wills it. So <laughs> we, we can't do anything about it. So let's just pray and enjoy our... Um, our bowl of soup while we can, okay? So people, people have sort of become apathetic and just given up. Well, um, when you hit the grave, I don't think that's going to stand very well with the death angel, this apathy, uh, because Islam is not apathetic. Islam is proactive. And Islam is wise. Islam is guided. You know, many people say, well, why didn't the prophet do this? Why didn't he do that? You know, when he was being persecuted, he waited for the right moment. He waited for the right moment to strike when everything was prepared. And all that time he was gathering intelligence. Yeah, all that time he was gathering intelligence. And he had an advantage that many people don't have. He had a straight line to heaven. Yeah. And there are some occasions when, well, that's another topic. Anyway, what I'm saying is that apathy crept in and you have this fatalism. And uh, let, me, let me explain this uh, a little bit uh, in answer to that question, because it's very important. Then I think we can close here. I have one more um, question after this. One more. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Let me, let me try to explain that. There's a difference between fate and destiny. Okay. Muslims have 
fallen uh, victim to fatalism. And so they just say, oh, well, inshallah, whatever God wills will happen. Uh, I'm just going to sit here and wait for it to happen. <laughs> this, is, this is fatalism. So that if you, if you have that attitude, you're not going to be guided. Neither are you going to be protected. You won't have this uh, bubble of grace around you, wherever you go in the earth. And I'm sure you've met uh, uh, the odd saint here and there who you can literally experience that bubble of grace because it radiates. You can feel the radiation, okay? Uh, in any case, uh, because we, we're, we, we give off these electromagnetic waves. And we can talk about that when we come back to the topic of marriage. In any case, if you're apathetic and you just become fatalism, fatalistic, then you don't do anything. You're, you're not proactive. You just, uh, you become like a good Mexican. Esta mañana, esta mañana. You just wait for it, you know. You know well, something good will come tomorrow. Something good will come tomorrow. No, you prepare, you prepare for tomorrow by doing your best today. And apathetic people never do their best. And what was the problem that we had between Kabil and Habil? You see, Habil gave his best. Kabil did not. You see, Kabil was, ah, yes, the manana. Okay, I'll give 10% to God, so what? You know, and God says, hey, that's not your best. I'm not accepting it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we've all seen a little spoiled brat who gets really angry when things don't go his way, right? That's who we're dealing with, okay? So when you push these apathetic people with the truth, they're going to get angry. And they may even kill you, okay? Because they don't want to be confronted with their own sin. And that's what's happened to the Ummah. The Ummah has become apathetic. And they don't want to be confronted with their own sin, their own apathy, their own fatalism. If you want to meet your destiny, you have to go and take it. You have to be prepared to reach up your hand as Allah is running to you, to give it to you. If you can't reach up and take it, you're going to become fatalistic. You will miss your destiny. There are two roads. One is your destiny, the other one is fate. They're both subject to spiritual law. You see, if you do the right thing and you take Allah's grace and you use it proactively and do your best, you meet your destiny. If you don't, you fall prey to the opposite. Ah, and then the bombs fall, where is the God of Muhammad? Where is he? You didn't meet him. He ran to meet you. And you didn't meet him. You didn't take what he had for you. You see, there's a difference, sister. So that's why I pursue knowledge, so that I can take it. And so that I can teach like this. That's why, in answer to that question. Mashallah, thank you. So the last question, um, this question is very personal for the individual who asked me. 
or who uh -huh. told me to ask you. So it's a okay. little lengthy. It's a little lengthy. Just bear with me. Many okay. of my questions in this stage of my life stem from growing up Christian, but realizing more recently in my adulthood that things I thought I believed just aren't the truth. However, there are certain things that seem to make more sense that are rooted in biblical Christianity versus that of Islam. For instance, my biggest concern is having my eternal fate in the hands of my works. This is not because I am a bad person, but because I know that I am not worthy of God's blessings, no matter how hard I try. This is why this is where I have found it very easy to believe that I need a savior and that Jesus was sent to pay the price for humankind so that those who accept him can have certainty of their salvation. With your background as a Christian, can you provide me with your perspective on this topic? Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, that's dear. a whole that's other a, episode, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other episode. Um, I'll, I'll try to address this um, uh, briefly uh, in the synoptic form. Um, in the New Testament, there's a passage that says, uh, faith without works is dead. Okay. Now, we go back to Genesis and, uh, well, there's this tree of life and there's this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, uh, of course, Allah said, you can eat from all the trees, but don't eat from that one uh, because, well, just because I said so. Okay. <laughs> we don't know. It may, he may have give Adam, uh, given Adam and Eve an explanation. Uh, we don't know. It's not written down for us and nobody talks about these things. However, what does a tree do? A tree grows up and it produces fruit and then it produces leaves. It produces leaves, it produces fruit and the, and the, the fruit produces something good to eat. And in the middle of that good to eat, there's a seed that can produce another tree. You see, so this is the tree of life. And what is hanging on the tree? Well, this is the tree of life is actually, if, if you follow the original translations, it's the tree of lives, not just of life, of lives. Okay, that means it, multiple lives, not just yours, but everybody. So there are many fruits on this tree. So all of these fruits are good, you see, it's good fruit. And if you're not producing good fruit, well, what did Jesus do uh, when he come, come across the fig tree that wasn't producing? He cursed it. Now, this has many uh, representations, but it basically represents the, the fruit of uh, the knowledge of Adab, the, 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 the knowledge of truth, you see. If the fig's not growing on the tree, it it's, it's the branch that represented Israel. And so figuratively, Jesus cursed Israel and said, no more fruit's going to come from you. No more good fruit, it's gone. And immediately, in the presence of his disciples, the tree withered and died right in front of their faces. All right, that's how powerful the word of God can be. Now, so we're talking about uh, good fruit. So you're either going to produce good fruit or you're not going to produce good fruit. If you produce the good fruit, you're going to live. If you don't produce it, well, you're going to die and you are deserving of Allah's curse. 
Now, this tree of the knowledge of good and evil produces both kinds of fruit. Produces good fruit, produces bad fruit. Okay? This, dear sister, is unnatural. It's a perversion of nature. Okay? And so it's a per it was a perverse creature. We're not talking about a tree. We're talking about a spiritual entity. Okay? That tree represents somebody who understands evil and good and produces both. Okay? For example, the governing United States does many good things, but it also does many evil things. Good governance does not do evil things. It does not produce both fruits. Okay? So, and then Jesus said, by your fruits, you will know them. By their fruits, you will know them. If they're producing good fruits, these are the people of God. Okay? These are the people of God. So everything has to do with doing good deeds. With doing good deeds. This is the key to salvation. Because what happens when we uh, enter into uh, the grave? It's our good deeds that are discussed. Okay? And they're weighed in the balance. And if Allah has mercy on us, we enter into eternal life. And these good deeds uh, turn around and act as a some sort of conduit for rewards to us in the next life. None of this depends upon the blood of Jesus, you see. And when Jesus was confronted by a young man who said, uh, what must I do to earn eternal life? Uh, Jesus said, well, go and sell everything that you have and come and follow me. He didn't say, wait until I've been crucified and then drink my blood and eat my body. He didn't say that. He didn't say that at all. If that was necessary for salvation, he would have answered the young men. You see? So uh, to make it a, a short story, a long story, very short, I have uh, deeply studied this question and the, the Trinitarian doctrine of a savior who has died, gone to hell and then resurrected, uh, uh, gone into heaven. This is an ancient doctrine. Jesus was not the first one that they said who's done this. Matter of fact, the born again uh, statement, that little phrase, dates back to ancient Turkey and the mysteries surrounding the Androgyne goddess uh, Sybil and her lover Attis. Okay, this was brought into Rome at the same time that they were remaking, uh, doing, doing a uh, makeover for the Christian religion. Because Jesus did not come to establish Christianity. What he did is he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. And he told his disciple to wait for Muhammad, he's coming. This is all in the Gospel of Barnabas, which they suppress. And I wrote a little book on that. So dear, uh, sweet uh, Christian sister, you are living a delusion. I lived in that delusion, believe me. And uh, when I uh, converted, my Christian wife at the time was a missionary. Uh, she was a Dayak, a member of the community of the Dayak tribe 
in Borneo, in Kuching, Borneo. And um, she was very upset because, um, well, they feared Muslims and they hated them too. So, and I became a Muslim, so I joined the enemy tribe. Not only that, I was destined to go to hell and all this sort of thing. And because we, we truly loved each other and we did our best to save the marriage, it was not salvageable after that. Um, I did sit her down one uh, evening and I said, I want to explain to you why it is that I've converted. And so I, we sat on the couch and she sat next to me for about um, oh, 15, 20 minutes. And I went through the Bible uh, verse by verse by verse, all leading up to the crucifixion. And uh, I explained in a very uh, elementary but logical fashion that this was a lie. And when I finished, uh, I asked her, I said, so now what do you think about this uh, salvation business by the death of God's son? Okay. She said, she looked at me straight faced and she said, it's a trap. <laughs> this woman said that. And it was a moment of truth for her, but she, we still had to divorce because the, my becoming a Muslim was more of a cultural thing that could not be overcome. Okay. Because she was vested in the roots that she had in her tribe, in her family and all that sort of thing. And they could no longer tolerate me. You see, as a Muslim, no matter how good a man I was to them. So uh, with that sister, I have to uh, vacate this, this little uh, session because I'm being called elsewhere. Um, and we can take this up again tomorrow, perhaps okay. with um, some other uh, people visiting us. Uh, I hope that was um, uh, helpful uh, to you personally and uh, to your listeners, inshallah. Inshallah. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. If you like what you've just heard, subscribe to Tune In Weekly for new episodes. If you have something to say or would you like to be featured as a guest, shoot me an email at hotteawithaziza at gmail.com or follow me on Instagram at hot underscore T underscore Aziza. Until next time, be blessed and be well.